0: Wash your hands and keep it clean. You gotta wash your hands and keep it clean. We'll flatten that curve while we're quarantine. It feels absurd, but
1: just you wait and see. Cover your cough and if you sneeze, and then you wash your hands and keep it clean. That's right. Wash your hands, everybody.
2: Hello and welcome back to our Saturday Thrive Subscribe series. COVID-19 Practice Pearls. Well, the federal stay-at-home order has been lifted, which is going to mean something different for each of us, depending on where we live, what state, what county, and what our new normal will look like and how and when we'll experience that is really being determined right now. So what we're here today to help with is what are your specific steps that you take to reopen your pharmacy doors? So we have with us North Carolina pharmacy owners um, Ashley Branham and Joe Moose as our hosts today, and they're both joined with um, with Steve Hoffert, who is a Texas pharmacy owner. And we're going to talk today about some action steps that you can take to either prepare or to actually open your doors this week. So let's listen in.
3: Fantastic. Thank you today, Suzanne. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, we're lucky to have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Steve Hoffert on from Texas, one of the uh, most progressive pharmacist I know, a multi-award winner from uh, awards from about every organization out there on his innovation and his business practices. Uh, and and, and we, we pulled on Steve this time because, uh, as you've heard in the news, you know Texas and Georgia and a handful of states are, are thinking about reopening and, and what are the steps that we as pharmacy owners need to take uh, when we're in the process of reopening, to to take care of our own staff, to take care of our, our patients, make sure that we aren't on a center for transmission, and to to conduct business where we can actually stay in business. And so uh, thankful to have, have Steve with us today. Just to, if those of you who don't know Steve, he's a genuinely nice Texan. He's probably next to Willie Nelson, the nicest guy out of Texas I know. Um, and as always, I've got my co-host with me, uh, Ashley Branham. Ashley, welcome today.
0: Good morning, everybody. Glad to be back. I, I think that Joe's right. This um, the, the reopening practices that are starting to take place and the considerations is happening um, as quickly as it all shut down. And so um, I think that we have to uh, make plans for our pharmacies, right? As Joe said, we don't want this to be a... Um, opportunity to continue to transmit COVID in, in the walls of our pharmacies, and we have to um, um, really prepare for safe practices that will continue once um, the state or, or our local government say it's okay to reopen. So that's why we have um, Steve on today, and look forward to talking with you, Steve, about some of your early plans, what, what, um, what your community is thinking about, and what um, what kind of pearls can we take home as we start to develop our own plans today? As always, for our listeners today, if you have ideas or have began to draft um, your reopening plan um, to maintain safety practices for your staff, for your patients, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about this today also, so please feel free to um um, type in your ideas um, because all of this is really important since this is kind of some a new era of uncharted territory that we're about to experience once again in this COVID season.
3: Yeah, so we'll jump right in. So, uh, Steve, tell us, I mean, uh, I guess things are a buzz in Texas with reopening, it seems like that... Uh, everybody is chomping at the bit to to get back in the in the swing of things what are what are some of the first thoughts uh, you have about reopening
1: yeah we we've been very blessed in texas we haven't seen the numbers of some of the other states but our governor is very forthright in thinking and is trying to use science and common sense and also thinking of economy of small businesses and so come friday Um, There is a limited opening of things like libraries and museums and restaurants initially, Uh, very limited. Like if you can have 100 people in your restaurant, you only can have up to 25 percent of the total capacity. So it's kind of funny when that got announced a couple of days ago, we're already getting calls at our store is, hey, when are you going to open? Uh, Obviously, we've been closed door now for about seven weeks um, I think we're going to open soon. I don't think we're going to open Friday, but the next big wave of opening is May the 18th, and so we've kind of set that as our benchmark of when we're going to try to implement our opening here at the store. Um, and that'll be officially being closed for two months, so that's going to be exciting. Uh,
3: are you getting guidelines right from, from? Go ahead, Ashley. I'm
0: sorry. What, what what does it look like right now for your store as you think about and that reopening so are are your staff wearing protective gear as of today um you know you said you mentioned that you're closed door only and it, and how does that how is that going to change from um, now until the next week when you are considering opening your doors will you maintain those types of practices for your staff as well
1: yeah no, nothing nothing's going to change for our staff uh we've already had this discussion we've had it now for a while we've been doing all the pre-employee screening uh, very meticulous about all our employee interactions with customers outside the store, curbside, or even drive through We've been extremely meticulous about all that because I've used the analogy, I want to flatten the pharmacy curve. I don't want anybody in my staff to come down with this while testing is not readily available because I feel like it's my lifeline. I've got to make sure they have jobs and I've got to make sure we protect ourselves also from our patients. So that's going to stay the same. It's What do we do once we open the doors and how we regulate that aspect? And so that's just going to be some added details. It's became a way of life, but I just think it's so critical. We put ourselves through six to eight weeks of being meticulous and it's become a way of life. I don't want one encounter with a patient in my store to run the whole thing. So that's why I think it's so critical so we don't waste eight hard weeks of work in one bad patient encounter to screw it up for all of us. And so that's really what we have been discussing. But right now, we're very meticulous. I mean, it's we do all the things I think most pharmacies are doing that are closed door to not only protect our patients, but also protect our staff from ourselves. We wear masks. Uh, we do screening in three times a day for temperatures. We clean workstations every hour on the hour. We have dedicated workstations, dedicated phones. Uh, We've very, been very meticulous and so knock on wood, our overall health health of our staff has actually gone up because we're so meticulous. I've had less people calling in sick. So it's really kind of funny.
3: Yeah, that, uh, I, I think we've recognized the same thing, and, and I think we've probably all recognized that maybe we were a little lax in, in some type of cleaning protocols before any of this went on. So I, I, I think we will we will continue a better cleaning process because of all this, just on, ongoing and, and sanitizing uh, the pharmacies and the phones and the, the common surfaces um, are you getting any guidance from your state or, or local health department on what you who you mentioned there's 25% occupancy are they, are they telling you your patrons have to have masks on or are they telling you you have to have certain hours or you know giving you any kind of prescriptive uh, retail guidelines?
1: Pharmacy-specific, no. Retail establishments, yes. The, our governor put out a 64-page document of what this rollout looks like for the next several months. That is beyond detailed. Now, since he's done that, they've had to make a few tweaks because obviously there's not enough detail because you have some businesses that are like, well, that didn't really read that way, so now I can do what I want to do. Um, so there is some guidance from our governor, and I would treat our upfront as a retail business. Obviously, we're an essential business, so they we haven't been told We can or cannot do anything from day one. It's all been self-driven. I think that's the awesome thing about being an independent pharmacy. We're all our own owners and we can make our own decisions, what's best for our staff and our patients. But no, um, that CDC guidelines, as far as uh, those two links, and Joe, you shared those with me earlier because we were just talking about stuff. Those two CDC links, I think, are fabulous. Um, I think face masks are a must. I think that's a no-brainer what that looks like. But some of the other guidance as far as interactions and transactions, uh, that CDC guidelines are very, very beneficial. I think every pharmacist should read um, all of that in terms of what we must do as a pharmacy to make sure we protect our patients and our staff um, as far as that goes. And I think the staff is something we all need to consider. I think they kind of get – they don't get forgot. Trust me, if it wouldn't be for our staffs, we wouldn't be here today. But we got to make sure our staffs are ready to open the front doors. I don't know if some of mine really are yet.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that, that conversation goes simpler. on every day.
1: Yeah,
0: I think that there, that, there is that, you know, that stress relief that occurred the day we locked the doors. Um, you could just feel it in the air of the staff. That it's just, okay, this feels a little safer now. And now that we're talking about the change, um, we know it's still circulating in the community, yet we're opening our doors. Um, you can feel the tension rising a little bit. So you're right. There does need to be some direct communication about that and the the efforts that's going to go into making sure it's a safe spot. I I know that a number of um, businesses, pharmacies and and non-pharmacies that are in the retail sector have, um, you know, initiated the floor markings that are every six feet. the one way. You can't, you know, you have to go up one aisle. um, It's only one way only. Um, We've seen many um, establishments put in the packs and the kind of the, the, the glass um, that's <clears throat> protecting any any transmission and um, the post office of course has the uh, if you walk in they have um, tables that are in front of the counter that create a natural barrier of that six feet distance and so um, are, are you are you looking at, at any of those ideas or um, any ideas to, to make sure that you know that Social distancing is still occurring in your pharmacy um, next
1: week. Like you said, I think that's critical for our staffs and our patients. Uh, yes, we've already discussed some of that. I do think we need to take some of the ideas that our other pharmacy partners have that have stayed open have used. Um, like you said, uh, definitely the markings on the floor. What we've discussed as our idea is to maybe just like we do, we've limited our curbside to certain hours now because of just staffing issues. Limiting the in store to certain hours of the day, not our full work schedule, just because. I do, I'm going to feel the most comfortable and I think staff's going to be most comfortable with actually having a screening person at the front door. So my two plans are A, have a screen person that basically says, you know, hey, welcome again. They have to have a mask on, give them a mask, make sure they put on hand sanitizer and then kind of direct them what needs to be done. I'm going to feel the most comfortable with that. If not, we talked about setting up a table outside that has a, a sign that states all this. Please don't enter if you're sick. You know, and I, I really would love to have a staff member up front to either be able to temperature screen or pulse ox somebody when they come in. I know that may be a little extreme, and there's so many people who are asymptomatic that probably we won't catch. But like I told you, it only takes that one catch to stay, to save us, then let somebody come in that we wouldn't let come in otherwise. Because we are the healthcare care hub, and people that are sick are going to come to us. So we do need to have that person that person, that person or some way to let people know, if, if you're sick, please don't come in our store. And you know people are very comfortable with us, we're family to them. So they're gonna come in and ask questions and need things. So some type of a screening up front, definitely social distancing markings on the floor. And then, uh, you know, then really being conscientious about transactions at the register in terms of touches, handing packages off, touching credit cards. We've been trying to do no cash. Also to dropping off scripts, we've been ziplocking bag our scripts for a while, letting them set a day or two before we actually scan them and put the hard copies on them. We'll obviously cont- continue that um just little things like that it's all the little stuff but the idea exchange between member pharmacies and community owners has been phenomenal um we all haven't had to invent the wheel but some of the great ideas people have come up have been has been amazing
3: yeah I, i've been amazed at the innovation too that that is it just shows that that the independent community pharmacy owner is quite an innovative person um you, you know i've uh mark mcgurdy a pharmacy owner over in nebraska is. Uh, He has not closed his doors through all of this, and he's had some – I've got some real good insights from him as as they're contemplating reopening. Um, He's had like a sanitizing station up front and given folks masks through the whole process. But he is a – it's kind of turned into an opportunity, like you said, Steve, that he has been able to do some monitoring of folks and and identify folks that that are at high risk or or maybe folks that have – uh, are exhibiting early signs of it so he's he's had providers that are sending um that their office is closed or they don't want them in their office and they, they're sending them over to to mark's pharmacy and he's had folks that, that come in and like you say have had some symptoms that he's been able to to you know physically see and triage on it so i think there's some some good good health practices that are coming out of these stores so you know just this idea of the engineering or re-engineering engineering engineering controls that you can put in place as you open up uh, like the plexiglass i think you know shower clear shower curtains that they're probably going to be a run when people start opening up on clear shower curtains um so so you may want to check those out uh, before you have to open up to make sure you can you can get those materials if you're going that route, but uh you know I think we need to be thinking in terms of of engineering controls um a, as well as as human controls you know what what can your staff do like the things you said of how they're handling uh credit cards and, and and those types of things
1: you know i i don't think I don't think that anybody wants a crisis or a pandemic, but I will tell you. Independent pharmacy was built for this. I mean, and that's the honest truth because we we are at such a forefront of being innovative and figuring out ways to solve patients. And like you just mentioned, you may actually become a triage center when people do come in your door. You may catch somebody early, and that's an awesome thing. That you know, we especially with CPSN, we are really dedicated on being you know a clinical forerunner in the pharmacy industry. And maybe something like this just further puts a spotlight on the great things that we can do. I mean. We've got to protect our staff. I think that's the other key. You're going to have to provide your staff proper PPE when we start interacting with patients. But I do think we've lost a lot of communication with our patients. Our customer service, I feel like, is really stru- has really struggled and we've really fallen off. And I do miss that patient interaction. And we've got to find a way to do that, but keep ourselves safe and them also. So. Yeah, I know
3: Roger. I was Roger thinking that about that
0: earlier. recently, um, about 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 that. And, you know, you, you have to be the one walking out to the curbside or, or in the delivery window talking to them. And, and I think that brings up a really great point. And, you know, especially as we're moving into the fall season, we have the summer, I guess, to, to kind of get all of this in place and think about the emergency preparedness um, actions that need to take place. But, then, before you know it, we're going to be advancing into flu season, where we'll be we'll be con- skin contact with many of these folks, um, likely still with circulating virus around. So, um, we we have to continue this mindset. It's not just a short term when we reopen, or maybe this will get us through the summer. I think we have to be fully thinking about circulating virus um, at the time of flu season as well. So it's not going away. It probably makes a lot of sense to invest in, um, you know, really good protective equipment and, and um, engineering, like Joe said, to to make sure that we are we're ready.
1: You know, Ashley, that's yeah, a good point. Roger. That was the whole that was the whole oxymoronic thing when they were telling us we need to be given pneumonia shots when we're closing our doors. And I do think if and when we get back and we're more doing close contact, like with shots and stuff. It'd be awesome if we could do them outside. I'd feel a lot more comfortable with that. I wish we could maybe set up a patient patient room outside. Jokingly, I say that, but that'd be kind of nice. But also, too, I think those patients, you do have to have a screening process because if you're going to be in a room with them or in a closed area, that's where your screening processes must really be pretty meticulous, I think is going to be critical. Yeah, I like
3: that. I like the idea of, like the, uh, of, the, of an outside pharmacy. <laughs> I
0: do too, especially in the summer. But it's, um, <laughs> hey, I've got this growing queue of folks that are ready for their second shingle shot. And I'm just um, looking forward to to getting that queue marked off.
3: Yeah. um, A past guest on the show, Roger Pagnelli, had had, uh, said that he was as, uh, you know, one of the measures that he was taking towards reopening and actually servicing folks even before think about reopening is giving preference to, to the elderly or the highest at risk, those um, immunocompromised, so that maybe if they're in the store, no one else can come in, or or they get masks that the store provides uh, if they don't have their own mask and things like that. So, you know, I I think we're, as a society, growing a little more accustomed to sort of segregating our employees, the banks treat people differently, everybody treats people differently. It it may be that we have to do this. I I know that... uh, I've had to do some explaining several times when people we are offering curbside and people walk up to the door and just stand outside at the door, and my staff is walking by them to take packages to to people's car and they think, well, hey, I'm I'm right here first in line and they don't realize what's in the queue. You know, there are five people sitting in their cars, you know, that were ahead of them. So we've we've had to do some explaining. Of that, and again, communicating with your patients. I think everybody has been pretty tolerant of what's going on, but but I think they're also kind of growing, growing tired of it and ready to get back to something that looks more like an old normal. Um, I, I would totally, you know, I would totally all, agree
1: with that, Jim. I think some of the best conversations have been when I've got out to curbside and interact with people, and people are genuinely appreciative. But you're right, you. People do need some explaining because I don't think they understand it all. And most people have been good, but it's been—it's definitely had its challenges at times.
3: So, those of you who are listening, um, if you have protocols um, that you've put into place on reopening, or just you know maybe they're cocktail napkin ideas that you're thinking out when reopening, send those through. Either type them in now in the question or the chat box. Um, if you've you've got some ideas in your head, feel free to to send those on or uh, or forward those documents to us um uh, at our c p e s n um website for, for best practices at c p s n covid best practices at c p e s n dot com is that right ashley
0: i'm
3: sorry was that is that the right address I messed that up every COVID
0: day. COVID
3: best Okay. Um, so, I, you know, we've, we've all heard the routine cleaning, we've heard the putting up physical barriers. Um, you know, I like what you said about reassuring your staff. Um, you know, because I, I can see it like a horror movie where, you know, the guy hears something outside the house where all the, the spring breakers are trapped in the house and there's the, this monster outside and the one guy's got to open the door and go outside and look and everybody's inside like, don't open the door, don't open the door. Um, you know, I, I see that kind of with my staff now Is are we going to do it? So uh, any, any best practices, Ashley or, or Steve, around – uh, reassuring your employees that this is the right time to to do this.
1: I w- I would say the, the key is, is you develop a store policy, vet it with your staff, discuss it with your staff, and then put it out there so that they're all comfortable and sell them on it. I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's I think you'll have the best success. It's when you kind of heme haul and you don't have a plan and you kind of fly by the seat of your pants each day. I think that's where the problem occurs and so and honestly i think every staff member should be asked what are your thoughts what are your biggest concerns so that way you can put into those policies things that ease their fears because when your staff's on board i mean we can do anything and i think that's very critical you know one of the things i was thinking about earlier is like our waiting area we've got a nice like leather couch and all these magazines and stuff i just think we either have to move all that get it out of the way and just put some simple chairs and stuff that can be cleaned on a daily basis, get rid of all the extra clutter up front, because we're going to be asking our staff to clean this stuff on a regular basis. I think just eliminating or removing the things that typically maybe are nice patient conveniences when they're in our stores, to just really stripping it down and making it simple is important. But having that plan across the board so the whole staff's on board, I think is super critical and getting their input along the process
0: that idea, yes, Steve, because I, I was just contemplating our waiting area and, and what to do with it. You know, it, 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 people will naturally congregate there. And so um, just removing it all together may be um, a really good idea, at least for for the current time. And, and agreed. I mean, I think that the staff have to know they're protected, right? You, you show them that you have the PPE and that um, this is reserved for you. It's not going to be sold. We've got plenty. Um, you know, and 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 by that buy-in, like you said, that's a, a really great idea. And making sure everybody's committed and moving forward together is, is really important.
3: Yeah, I, I think those are all great, uh, great points today. And, and Steve, I appreciate you you getting on, and I I hope when you things do open up in Texas, that that everybody says stays safe there, Ashley. Um, any last minute, uh, comments?
0: I think that, you know, the main, the main takeaways today is, is, um, you know, develop a plan, um, figure out what your plan is going to be in advance uh, of reopening, um, and, and share that plan openly with your staff. Um, whether that's limiting the number of customers that you have at one time for the time being, or. Just opening up broadly and maintaining that six feet um, uh, recommended um, social distancing um, is, is, you know, whether you're going to handle money or continue to do um, credit cards or have your staff manage, kind of the the, all of those considerations need to be be done in advance. And now's the time to do it while we have a little bit of leeway and we can kind of learn from from the Texans and the um, the folks over at Georgia and others that are starting to reopen. Pretty soon. So again, thanks, uh, Steve, for being on and for for leading the way on this. And we'll be looking to you and and your state to to guide the rest of us.
1: Thank you. It's gonna be yep. it'll be fun and interesting, but it'll be good.
2: All right. Well, thanks so much to all three of you for taking the time today to go through these action steps. Um, Really, I think a lot of good practical advice on what we can do to open our doors. Um, So to all the Thrive Subscribe podcast listeners, we hope you'll continue to join us each Thursday for our Thrive on Thursday episodes. And then every Saturday, for as long as we need it, we'll be back with Ashley and Joe for the COVID-19 Texas Pearls episode.
1: The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your
2: pharmacy practice.